I do think that it really makes a difference when you have people that you're talking to online and they trust you and you're not just always on there selling them something, you're truly connecting with them and you're telling your story. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Erin. We're best friends, mother and daughter, rural entrepreneurs, and business partners of over two decades. Over 23 years ago, we jumped into the world of entrepreneurship in search of our big purpose. Three years ago, our hard work paid off when we launched an international print magazine, Trailblazer, and business membership. Through these, we have one mission, to empower rural women by helping them build successful businesses, all while cultivating the rural lifestyles they love. So through guest interviews and shows with just the two of us, we'll be chatting about topics like growth mindset, intuition, entrepreneurship, grit, resilience, and so much more. We're going to equip you with the know-how to navigate the sometimes murky waters of entrepreneurship. So whether you're rural, rural-hearted, or intrigued by the rural way of life, get ready to challenge yourself while learning from our experiences and other rural entrepreneurs as we explore the endless opportunities that lie ahead. Together, we can create something extraordinary. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. Who was mastering the art of sourdough before sourdough was even trending? (laughs) The answer is Ash Turner of Turner Farm. Today, we had the complete honor of chatting with her story, her family's story on today's episode. So Ash has a really interesting story. She used to live in the city, had this dream of moving her family out to the country. So they've since done that. But there's been time after time of these little opportunities of really serendipitous timing that you're going to hear about that have unfolded for their business and their family. So this episode's really about how they got here, what they're doing now, and where they're going. Here's a little bit more about Ash. So Ash is a co-owner of Turner Farms, and along with her husband and two children, they operate a small farm in rural Nova Scotia, Canada, where they raise full-blood Wagyu cattle. Ash also teaches sourdough to a worldwide audience through her monthly subscription online classes, and she has co-authored a sourdough book called For the Love of Sourdough. Ash's greatest passion is teaching other skills to make food from scratch while farming alongside her husband and homeschooling their two children. Her favorite place to be in the winter is in the kitchen, creating dishes, delicious food for her family and sharing it with the world. This is a really not only inspiring episode, but if you believe in synchronicity and the perfect timing for our own lives, you're going to see that showing up in so many ways in Ash's story. So enjoy. Ash, welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. And I know we've just been catching up in the background before we actually hit record. So we're so excited to chat today, really as a follow-up from your feature article, which you haven't even seen yet in our winter issue of Trailblazer. I think everyone's waiting with bated breath to receive it. Thanks for being here and just want to say welcome. Thanks for having me. So Ash, we've had some online time because I interviewed you for the article and we talked about a lot of things, but I think the thing that is probably going to be the most gripping for people to know off the bat is that you didn't start off on a farm. You didn't grow off on a, grow up on a farm. And yet you and your husband purchased two acres. And now a few years later, you're sitting with 300 acres and cattle and building the barn and building the house and lots has happened in between. So I just, yeah, I don't know the backstory to all of this. So share that with us. How did you get there? And the fact that you're in Nova Scotia too. We don't usually think of 
Nova Scotia as a cattle place, or certainly out west we don't, uh, being ranching community here. So yeah, spill the details. Yeah, there's and there's not a lot of cattle, like large cattle ranches here like there would be probably out west. And ours is even still quite small. My husband worked in like a corporate job and I was stay-at-home mom. And we moved here uh, just to have a little bit of extra space really for our kids. They were young at the time and we had two big dogs and I wanted some chickens for eggs. And so we bought a couple of acres and it overlooks the Bay of Fundy and we went to it. And when we got here and I started doing some gardening and I had some chickens and I just really got the bug. And I think that everybody says that like chickens are the gateway (laughs) to more things. No, my husband at the time, and he still does this, but he goes down to the States and does competition barbecue down in the Southern States. And so he was going back and forth doing different, just before all the lockdowns and things like that. He had a team and they would go down and they would compete. And when he would do that, he would buy Wagyu beef from out West and he would bring it in, he'd ship it in, cost a fortune, and they would buy like this one cut and they would bring it with them down to the States. And when we started getting into things and I had some sheep and I didn't really know what direction I was going and none of it really made any money or anything like that. It was just fun. He said, if we're going to do this, we should do something that we can consume that feeds our family and then something I can barbecue and use. So we started with pigs and we did pigs for several years and we had a lot. We had probably up at one point, I think, 100 pigs in our forests here because we don't have a lot of pasture land here. We have 300 acres, but I would say maybe 75 of it is pasture. The rest is trees, is forests. Like in Nova Scotia, it's like Vermont, like it's like thick, kind of dense forest. And we thought pigs would be perfect because pigs love the forest. So we did pigs for a bit. I don't miss pigs. That was a really, (laughs) pigs are really, you need a lot of different infrastructure, I think, for pigs. And my husband was working full time and then coming home and chasing pigs. And they were, had a mind of their own and they're not really easy to herd anywhere. And so I pushed to get a dairy cow. He didn't want cows. He wasn't sure that we had the space for large animals. And so we ended up able to purchase 30 acres adjacent to the farm, which is unheard of here. Like you don't ever buy two acres and a farmer will come along and say like, here, you can buy this land beside you. And this gentleman was older and he said, I would like to sell off my forestry and farmland in chunks because my son doesn't want it. And I would like to give the money to him when I pass. And so we agreed to buy it in chunks. We bought 30 acres and I got a dairy cow and we got a couple beef cows and he fell in love with it. And it's all the cows are his. And he, he really fell in love with it. And so when the lockdowns happened, our housing market went crazy. So everyone from Ontario was coming here and just buying up land in cash. Like it was like candy. It's like they could, they were selling their houses for whatever. And they were buying acres for pennies to the dollar here. Like it was crazy. So everybody, they were just doing it over the phone. Like they couldn't even get into the province. So they were calling up realtors and saying, yeah, I'll take that 200 acres. Yeah, I'll take that 50. And like, all of a sudden, all these locals were like all their everyone's land was getting bought up by these people in Ontario. And so the gentleman that had we had the agreement with and it was only verbal and he had gotten sick with cancer. And he came to us and he said, my son's business went under during COVID and he needs the money now. And I'm listing the land tomorrow, all of it. 
Oh, no way. Okay. No, okay. Cool. okay. Wow. And we were not in a financial position to buy 300 acres of land. And we're like, we had a day to, to, to figure this out. And it's such a God thing, though. We prayed about it. And it just like somehow, I guess it must have been a couple of days because we, we contacted with like a farm loan board here because the bank at the time, like my husband was self-employed. And I wasn't working. We already had money invested into the land. Like nobody was lending us anything at that time. And so what we did was we literally sat on MLS and tried to find a different firm. Oh. And we thought about leaving and we looked at these different firms online and we called up Daniel's uncle who was selling his old cattle farm. And we said, like, we should come and look at it. Maybe we'll live there. And we were planning to uproot and leave everything. And then on the 11th hour, they said that they would fund it. Oh, And so, like, we... So they funded the whole thing and we ended up scraping pennies for it's been, I guess, the next two or three years after that, trying to, you know, pay for it kind of thing. And until I was able to start uh, generating an income through my business. And that's sort of what has brought us to where we're at right now, having the, the 300 acres. So it was never really a plan to have it all that quickly, but I sometimes I feel like things just happen as they're supposed to. And so now we're Building our house back there, that took three years of us having the land and planning the house. And so now this year, we're just finally starting to build the house on the land back there and that sort of thing. So that's the short of the long of how we got there. I know goosebumps. Yeah, I, I totally goosebumps. do. So you said something when you started generating income. And I think that's another fascinating part of your story. So you were teaching sourdough bread making workshops in your kitchen <laughs> of your house prior to COVID. And then, of course, the regulations shut that down. And uh, I mean, we all know how sourdough <laughs> was like the hero of COVID. Of COVID. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. It was like everybody. Yeah. Everyone wanted to do it. Yeah. yeah. Can you speak to the timing of that? Because I just know for myself, too, and a lot of our listeners, for the listeners who are not rural but are yearning for that, I, this is such a beautiful story and an inspiration and a reminder and just a goosebump moment that like it wasn't in your plan, but it was planned for you. Like the way this worked out, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. So connect us those thoughts. Yeah. I feel like our story is it's such a faith thing because none of it was like hoped for, if that makes sense. Like we never sat down and said, this is the direction we're going to go. And this is where like when the vision boards and, you know, in five years, like there was none of that. Like it was like, we want to accumulate the land over so many years and maybe this is what we'll do with it. But like it, we didn't really have a choice. It was just like, here it is. And we had to then figure out what we do with that. And so we, you know, expanded our cattle herd and that sort of thing. And then with the sourdough classes, it was a very sporadic thing. So I would just have, I could fit 12 women in my kitchen and they would come and I would give them all dough and they would get to feel the dough and learn how to make sourdough. And I would have tea and coffee and snacks and we would just hang out in the kitchen and make bread. And then I think I did that for several months. And I had been making sourdough for quite a long time before that. And it was just like an afterthought of something fun to do because we live very rurally and I wanted to just connect with other people, really. So then when COVID hit, it was obviously like screeching halt. <laughs> no one's allowed to leave their house. 
And so I was, I said to Daniel at the time, I said, well, obviously that was just a secondary thing for us. It wasn't like it was, we weren't counting on that, but then his job stopped because he was a mortgage broker and no one was buying houses because no one could come. So all of a sudden he couldn't go to work anymore and their office shut down and he was in our house. Obviously we were all locked down in Nova Scotia. They decided that the whole entire place was locked down and we didn't have an income because he was self-employed and we don't pay into uh, employment insurance or anything like that, but you get paid if you're laid off or whatever. So that was it. It was done. So I thought, okay, people really like that. What about if I did that online? And I had said it to a couple people and they were like, no, people do it for free online. And everybody on YouTube gives sourdough tips and you can get so much information on YouTube and Google and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Okay, but I get lots of questions on Instagram all the time. And I just really feel like I have a way of teaching it that is very easy for people to understand. And I think I could help people with their bread. Anyway, so I put it out there on um, Instagram that I was teaching these classes. My first class online had 15 people. And that would have been, I don't know, April of 2020 or whatever it was. And by the fall of 2020, there was like 350 people in. The classes oh my gosh wow wow it just people wanted to learn it's such a primitive act and it's such an easy way to take back one aspect of your self-sufficiency of like buying flour and it was hard to get yeast we couldn't get yeast here like it wasn't nobody could get it so at all yeah. of us with sourdough starters were like great like we were just baking away. <laughs> so it was like there was people got scared of, OK, this we're really dependent on these food chains and we're really dependent on, you know, that's such a that's such a commodity of like a, like everybody has bread or wraps or whatever they have in their house. And so I think people just really wanted to take back that control of, of their health and their food. So lots of people started gardening and a lot of people started making bread and really other than raising your own meat, if you have a place to buy local meat and you can make your own bread and raise your own vegetables, like you don't need a grocery store at that point. So it's, I think that was like a big thing for people. And I think it just took off and people resonated with me sitting with my camera in my kitchen. And I wasn't, there was no fancy equipment. And I'm like, you know, it's just my computer and I'm here and I'm going to show you how to make bread. And everyone really liked that I guess like the authenticity of not being in a studio and it wasn't really expensive it was you know it was a very affordable thing for people to come and hang out in a zoom room with me and learn how to make bread and so that sort of carried Daniel to when he could go back to work and then I met Lizzie and we wrote our cookbook and all the things came after that but that's sort of what carried us through the lockdowns were these sourdough classes and allowed us to be able to survive. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. And you turned it into a monthly subscription, did you? We did. So that wasn't planned. It was like something that was planned for us that we didn't really know yet. So we wrote our book. I met Lizzie in October. She was at my house in December because that's how crazy she is. And we were writing our cookbook. We wrote our cookbook and we published it or we sent it to print in March. And we said, by June, we'll have books to sell. And the guy came back and said, there's no paper because of COVID. I don't know why, but there was no paper. 
So there was no paper. They said you can have them at the very earliest October. And so we had all these people really pumped up about these recipes. And I said, randomly, on a whim, why don't we just start a monthly subscription? I have so much more to teach people that I'm, I can't do on Instagram because you get a minute in your stories. And I'm like, I just would love to do a community of people to teach them. And we'll give them all the book recipes up front. And so they can sign up and they can get all the book recipes and videos. Of okay. Them. And she was like, no, that's a terrible idea. We're not doing that. It was really hard to convince her at first. And then finally she came around and she was like, no, you're right. Really, I really want to get this out there. I really want people to have these recipes. Let's do it. So we launched that in April or March. We launched it in March and we started the content in April. And that year, Daniel was able to come home from his corporate job and work on the farm full time. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. That is (laughs) amazing. That's amazing. And it was such an afterthought. Like it wasn't even something we were supposed to do. Like we didn't meet each other and think, let's do a subscription. It was like just because simply because we couldn't get paper for the book. And it was a complete fluke that we did it. And it connected Lizzie and I in such a different way than the book ever could. Um, You know, we're connected now for I always say like we're connected for life. (laughs) We're now connected on this in this monthly, like we keep going. Our business keeps going together. And that's been such a blessing because she's such a blessing. And so it's been such a wonderful ride to have had that secondary income that kind of came through for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so were you at Mm. that point scrambling then, like building the website? And how did you meet Leslie? And how did that come together? Yeah. So Lizzie and I had been working together on the book at that point for about six months six months and I hired a designer here actually to do the site for us so we host our subscription on teachable it's a platform that we were able because it's really important to me I know lots of people that offer subscription but they're mostly like a blog style subscription Mm -hmm. and I really what I'm finding with sourdough is that people need to watch it Yeah, They need to be able to like watch me work with my hands, watch me make the recipes. And not all the recipes are need to watch like cookie recipes, but we do a video for every single entry in the subscription. So every recipe has a video, which is really fun too, because Lizzie's a hoot to watch her in videos every week. It's, It's just super fun. And we've built a community and we've met lots of them. And it's just been a really cool experience to take the 12 women in my kitchen to this worldwide community of sourdough. Yeah. And I just want to say, so I, I know that sourdough and the pandemic seem to go hand in hand. So now we're post pandemic. Is there still that insatiable interest out there to is, return? To yeah. That? Is the membership still growing? Because we find with the magazine, we're starting to hear more from a lot of urban women, city gals who want some of these values and skills. So What's your take on that? What's your sense of that right now? I I feel like the interest hasn't stopped. I feel like people are still almost, I think, even more because Mm -hmm. it was such a novel thing during the pandemic. So it was just like everyone was jumping on it. No one really knew why. They were just like, okay, let's make sourdough and grow carrots. Like it was just, it was such a new thing. But now that people are really into it and they're like, okay, we're three years into this and 
I'm having trouble with my sourdough and I really want to be able to do this because now I know what types of ingredients are in my food. Now people are reading the labels. Now people are watching what is being put into our food. And I don't know how many I was doing it and I know lots of people were, but I don't know how many people were doing that quite as much before because everyone was busy. Everyone was busy in their lives and in their jobs. And so then when we were all forced to slow down and recognize this is weird that like we live in a society that's really sick and why are we sick? And so people started looking at our food. And I think that is now what's driving people to come Um, back to this. Like, I want to cook for my family from scratch and I don't want to count calories and have a diet. I just want to eat real whole food all the time and not have to think about it and enjoy and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what I'm getting feedback from women who are in our subscription is like, it doesn't, you don't feel as bad sitting down and eating this stuff because you're making it out from real ingredients. You're fermenting the food. It's good for you. It feels better when you eat it. And so I do think that this is going to keep going because I think more people are waking up. I think you nailed it. I think yeah. there, there has been like a collective evolution or a collective education and People are just, they started with just opening that door to one skill, aka could have been sourdough. And then now they just keep going. Okay, what else? How else can I feel better and feed my family better? I think you totally nailed it. And it's not going anywhere. No, I don't think so. Like a friend of mine teaches a course on how to raise their own chickens for meat. And she doesn't have a ton of land. And they raise their own chickens. She hasn't bought chicken at the grocery store in 15 years or something like that. Nice. So there's just so many of us out there like that, that have been doing this so much longer than just since the pandemic. So there's just a wealth of knowledge from women who are most likely just staying home with their families. And then all of a sudden, there's such a need for their skills. Yes. 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 And that comes in beautifully to my next question, because how you turned your skills and leveraged and monetized it's incredible. So you came from a stay-at-home mom to doing this now. Like, where was the gap of, okay, I'm now an entrepreneur and I need all these skills because as we know, we wear all the hats. You have an influence. Like, how did you go from A to like, you know, ship? are you still in, in it? I know how to make friends, but all the rest of it, like I... Thankfully, Daniel, so Daniel coming home from work was really pivotal for us because as far as like when you're in your entrepreneur, as you probably know, it's like you have to then manage the money yourself. Like all the taxes get much more complicated and that all of that. And then the behind the scene work and he came from a business that he owned and then came home. And so now that's that's what he does is just manages our business. Okay. I joke because I'm like, I don't have anything to do with that. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. I like to just do the things that I like to do. The tech side has been such a learning curve for me. I find that to be really overwhelming. And I laugh that, again, this is like another thing of like, I, I truly think that a friend of mine who lives in Sa- Saskatchewan always says like the worst advice you can give someone is to say, just do what makes you happy. Because... What makes you happy in the moment is almost never what is going to make you happy long term. And I would have never chosen a business that I had to be online on a device working technology. 
understanding web design and any design at all, like any of those things. I never, that never would have been something that I would have chose because that's so outside my comfort zone. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable and it's really hard. But I really do believe that the things that are the hardest are always the most worthwhile. And for whatever reason, for me, what has been created for me is all in this tech world (laughs) for whatever reason. I haven't quite figured that one out, but I've had to hire out a lot of that stuff and I'm slowly bringing it back in house and learning it. It's just, that's been a huge learning curve for me. We are amazed at like the opportunity that rural women like yourself have now because 20, 30 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, if you were teaching sourdough, that would probably be at your, in your kitchen again or at a local community center. And then something happens mm-hmm. and that that would be game over for you because your ability to reach people now and you said you've got a, this global following this global community i one of the things that we find is fascinating how women like yourself are getting up to par with the technology and leveraging that for your productivity having a va having somebody do social media whatever all the behind the scenes are and we just see the flourishing that's going on in the last couple of years. And it's, it's stunning. It's amazing. Yeah. What it's are you magic? Cause you're yeah. taking an old world skill and traditional then skill using modern technology and it's exploding. We see this happen. Like, yeah. like we're seeing it happen all the time. We're talking yeah. to women and it's fascinating. And so obviously we have to talk about Instagram, right? Because that has been a vehicle for sure for your growth. So can you tell us like, how has that changed how you've shown up in business how has that helped you grow what do you love what do you hate about it because we can't not talk about Instagram (laughs) (laughs) yeah such a love hate isn't it (laughs) truly yeah so I would say I had grown quite a bit through just the homestead and then the sourdough classes and I think what really then took it off was after I met Lizzie and just all the things that we created together it seemed to seem to really grow after that. Instagram has been such a blessing in my life. It's been such a difficult road to grow on Instagram, as, as I'm sure any person running a business on Instagram can attest to. That's just simply not an easy uh, vehicle to hop into and grow. It takes a lot of time. But I think the biggest thing I've learned with Instagram and the reason that it went so well when I started offering a product is I spent three and a half years on Instagram. And all I did was give stuff away for free. My just knowledge and tips and tutorials and recipes and my time answering people's questions. And then it wasn't until the pandemic when I was like, okay, like now I have something to offer you that I can monetize. And at that point, people were so invested in the story and so excited Mm. to contribute to our family that they wanted to come and see what this was going to be about. And they'd watched me teach them for the last three and a half years. They've watched, they knew what I knew. They knew the uh, knowledge that I had um, for sourdough and they wanted to hear more of what I had to say. That's a long road, but I do think that it really makes a difference when you have people that you're talking to online and they trust you 
and you're not just always on there selling them something. You're truly connecting with them and you're telling your story. And that was a really big learning for me is when I first started my Instagram, someone said to me, just talk to people like you have a massive following. Like people are from everywhere are watching and you have so many people. I think like 50 people were watching my stories or something like that. But it was like, talk to people like there's like tons of people are watching. And what that taught me was like, it doesn't matter if you have 50 people watching you or 50,000 people watching you. Like every person is worth what you have to offer. Like every person is worth the information that you want to put out there. And, you know, if those 50 people are willing to sit and watch what I have to say, then they're worth me getting on there every day and giving them things for free Yeah, and giving them information Yeah, and answering their questions. And so I think that would be my biggest takeaway with Instagram is it, it can't just simply be this place that you get on and you start from a business, you start your account as a business right from day one. I think people need to know your story and they need to know where you come from so that they can trust you so that they can give you their hard earned money. Yeah. And connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I care about you. Yeah. We hear that a lot too within our business membership or a woman who has an, an idea, a seed of an idea. And she says, but there's there's a hundred other women doing this already. So I'm not going to try or I'm not going to go there. So what would you say to that woman? Because and I have a feeling we're going to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What would you say? I was that woman. I think that's crazy because nobody has what you have to offer, even if it's the same thing. Hundreds of people teach sourdough. So why will people watch my sourdough class? And why would people pay me to teach them sourdough? I could have easily run that narrative for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It's a super easy narrative to run. But again, that is a very comfortable narrative. And so nobody can teach what you have to teach because nobody's you. And I think that I'm in about the most trendy, you know, what field that you could possibly be in. Right now, and here I am, (laughs) still teaching and still putting it out there for people. And I think that people see the authenticity in that. People want authenticity. They don't necessarily need what you have to say specifically. They want your version of it. Mm -hmm. If that, if they like you. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't believe in that narrative. I think there's enough for everyone. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a connection piece in there that we're talking about too. Is that people are connected to you and so there's that loyalty built in there probably they refer friends or aunts or sisters or whatnot to come take the classes and whatnot so I also know that you're in the midst of writing another cookbook so tell us about that slowly but surely (laughs) the first one was like I sat down at my table and it like I wrote it in four months this one's more like four years (laughs) this one I've been writing since before the last one so it is more of a compilation of our family tree of recipes because Daniel and I grew up in really large families and who really like to eat and they love and we love tradition and food and there's a lot of really amazing tradition and food uh, especially like from Nova Scotia specifically because Nova Scotia has some pretty awesome food that's known to us and then also our families. And so it will have a sourdough. Obviously, we'll have a big sourdough component to it as well. But 
a lot of it is going to be just like an all-encompassing book of like hearty meal recipes and holiday traditions and Daniel's barbecue recipes and just all of that. So it'll be a much larger book and I'm slowly but surely making my way through it. It's going to take a little longer. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That just almost makes my taste buds let down. (laughs) (laughs) Barbecue and sourdough. Who doesn't like bread and meat? (laughs) Yeah. So that's a slow build and taking your time. So are you having to go to family members and get recipes or how are you pulling that all together? Yeah. So most of the recipes have been finalized, give or take a handful. So it's mostly my dad, my grandmother, and then Daniel's mom who would have gotten hers from their grandmothers. So it's like a collection of traditional recipes that are coming from those three. So my grandmother would be like my mom's mom and then my dad and then Daniel's mom. My dad was the cook growing up. Like he he does did all the cooking and that stuff in our house and he's just got some really cool cool recipes and then my grandmother. I think for me like if it didn't sell a single copy uh, for me to have those photos and those stories and those recipes in one place, that will be worth it for me because I really want to honor them and, you know, their traditions that they've instilled. And they're the reason that I do all of this is because of that. Yeah. 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 For me to have it in one book and I'm working with a local photographer and a local designer and they're married and they're really wonderful friends of ours. And it's just going to be such a wholesome experience. And I'm really excited for it. Oh, I can feel that coming through. (laughs) Yeah. And it makes me hungry. Yeah, totally. (laughs) One one question we love to ask all of our guests, and mom and I talk about it all the time, how much us being in business together has shaped and, and really how we've grown as women. So how would you say through this whole journey of business and entrepreneurship, how has it grown you as a woman? Yeah, I feel like I'm a very different person. I feel like I have a lot, a much stronger faith than I did because I just think that of all of these turns of events like how how couldn't I none of this was really our doing and I think that for me giving the glory to that is really important and I I have a much stronger faith which has made me a much more rounded person in how I approach business because it's not necessarily okay, what do I want to do? What's going to make me happy? It's more of like, what do I need to know as I move forward through my business? What do I need to know in this role? And then what do I need to execute to fulfill that role? Mm -hmm. And that's a very different place to stand than simply being like, what do I want to do today that's going to make me feel good? And so it's very uncomfortable a lot of the time. And I think I've learned and I've grown a lot as a person living in that place of discomfort, which is good. I think from discomfort breeds and grows joy. And I think joy and happiness are two very different things. And I feel like I have a lot of joy in my life, whether or not day to day, I'm like today when I like slammed, accidentally slammed the cart into my truck and dented it, like not super happy, (laughs) but I feel like as a whole, there's a lot, there's just a lot of joy that comes out of living from a place like that. And that wasn't really a place that I understood how to live from before all this. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And also the fact I want to add, like the work that you're doing is meaningful, but you're having to build your skills to keep up with it, to be the woman who can deliver it. And so that's what we talk about too, is that 
it stretches us to grow into, I don't know, a bigger version of ourselves, right down to making decisions. Of course, with two of us, Aaron and I need to be able to resolve differences of opinion quickly. Like it just, I'm sure with you and your husband. You step up. Yeah, 24-7, you've probably learned different communication skills with each other, which carries you through. Yeah, I think, and with Lizzie too, I have to say her and I have become like sisters where sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's, no, I disagree. And this is why. And she's like, but I disagree. And this is why. And, you know, we don't always want to do the same things and we don't always agree on the same things. And with Daniel, I think I said this to you guys before. I I truly feel like us as a unit, him coming home from work and then working on the farm. And it's not that we see each other all day long because there's often days where we don't see each other at all during the day because he's working back there and I'm working in the house or whatever. And we also homeschool our kids. So we trade off on that. But I do feel like no matter what we're doing, we have something common that we're working towards together. Whereas before it was like he went to his corporate job. He had a business with his sister. I raised our kids. We were separated during the day. And I know that works for a lot of families, but it just didn't seem to work as well for our family. We get up in the morning, we have our coffee, we sit and we talk about what it is that needs to happen in the business, what are these that need to happen in our family. And it's all conjoined together, which is just a really powerful and like nuclear place to to grow and to birth new ideas and create from. And so that mm-hmm. I think for me has been a completely different experience and one that I really, I really cherish having him here and us working together. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. That's that vision is something that I personally am aspiring to do too. My partner, Jean and I, we were out for lunch yesterday and I, over lunch, and I shared with him, like, this is what I see our family doing and being. This is my dream for our family. And it's to own our own land and it's to retire him from his job. And it's for us to be anchored in that unit. And it, it would look traditional. And then I just think, you inspire us to think outside of the box of what we traditionally see uh, team and family operate from. And there's so many different other possibilities to show up within our strengths and work together as a partnership in raising a family and growing a business. Mm-hmm. And like we've got all these different dimensions and levels yeah. to us. So I just think by sharing that, thank you, because it there's so many possibilities and whoever's listening, no one needs to hear that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how many kind of different ways a traditional family can look and I would still consider us to be quite a traditional family in the sense that like as far as like our roles in our house are very traditional even still for the most part I would say I work in the business online a lot more than Daniel does but I would say our roles inside of our home would be very similar to that of a traditional family where maybe the spouse goes and works and the the wife stays home with the kids kind of thing like we still mirror those and that works really well for us and I just think that there's a lot more for us uh support with one another when we can work together and be together and our kids having him home has been a huge blessing for our kids especially homeschooling that's a lot on me to try to homeschool our kids and then also do this so he's a huge part of that is is homeschooling the kids yeah yeah. Can you speak to, because a lot of times we hear it all the time, Instagram can a lot of times just showing the highlight reel. And I think from the outside looking in, 
and and through various lifestyles that we see online, can you relate to us the reality of your day to day? Because we don't want any of this to sound glorified. Because at first it does, right? A lot of our <laughs> stories do. So can you give us the reality again for our listeners of the hardness of it? Yeah. yeah. I think for me, the hardest part with this type of life, especially a farm, is that it's structured, but it's not. So like some days we could go out and do chores and come back and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do today? And it might be like, I might be really trying to find things to do. And that feels like the, the day is like a lull. There's little structure. And then other days it could be like, I can't even breathe. It's just mm-hmm. one thing after the other that you're going all day long. And so I, I find that hard. And it's funny because I grew up a very structured person with two working parents and extracurriculars. We lived in a neighborhood and all the things. And it's, I find it really interesting that I've stepped completely out of that. And I would say, I would say that Instagram is a highlight reel, but not necessarily only the good highlights, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. I do think that people do, or at least the homesteaders I follow on there, they obviously, if we have a cow that's dying, I'm not going to show you that whole thing because that's really hard for people and can be really triggering for people. But usually I'll tell you that it's happening. Y- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, I do mm-hmm. think that people are getting better at saying like, you know, my cow died. Okay, then we lost my dog. And then, you know, maybe my cat got run over by a car. And they're telling you all of these things. And it's like, it might not seem as big because they're just telling you. But like, I think that it's really important to understand that there's like, Sometimes there's just catastrophe everywhere you turn. And I don't think that's, I don't think any homesteader is immune to that. I do think that people do a pretty good job on Instagram now at showing that there's a lot of heartache on a farm. And then as far as inside, so for us on a day to day, we would get up, we, I have our coffee and chat about the day. And then we all go do chores. So all four of us go and do chores. And that might sound like really lovely and harmonious and all the things. But when you have an eight and a 10 year old and a lot of poop scoop and two dogs that like to eat the poop and there's a lot of bickering and like some days it's cold and someone forgot their hat, like, you know, all the things that like, it's not this beautiful, harmonious experience all the time. But usually we do try to all do chores together. And Anderson, our youngest, helps a lot with the tractor. So he does the cow stuff with Daniel. And then my daughter has horses and she she rides. And so her and I do a lot of the horse chores. And so we do that. And then typically we'll disperse and either they'll start their school and I will, if I have to film that day or I find that it's very much a chaotic mess. (laughs) There's probably a good way to describe it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But you're eating well. (laughs) Yeah, it's all a mess and we have really good food, but no one's on a schedule and we're all a mess. (laughs) Yeah. 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 What would you say excites you most about your life and where it's going? That's a good one. I, I think because so many things have been created and planned for us that we were never expecting, I think I'm just really excited to see what's next. I think that we've been put here and this has been created for us here for a reason. I don't think we're done. And I'm just really excited to 
to see what's next. And I have no idea what that's going to be. <laughs> I love that, though, because that's the difference between kind of an abundance, gratitude Girl, mindset, mindset and fear and hanging on and trying to manage it control. and control it. <laughs> yeah. So that's okay. very freeing and opportunities can come to you and you'll see them because you're in that state. So I think that's just a really wonderful way that you detailed that. Are open. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up this interview. <laughs> I couldn't have thought of better closing. Wow. Thank so you, you, Ash, for your candidness and honesty. And just, I, I just think our listeners are going to be in for a treat. You have been so inspiring and yet so like tangible in the how-tos and how you've got here. And I know a lot of women mm. have a dream to be living a similar lifestyle and to show up using their skills in a way that you are. So just thank you for yeah. sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to read the article. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You haven't <laughs> seen it yet. Hopefully you still like me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't wait to read it. And so yeah. tell us, what's your handle online? Where can everyone connect with you and find out more about your sourdough membership as well? Yeah, so turnerfarm.ca is our website, um, has all of our classes and information on there. Turner.farm is our Instagram. And then we just started a YouTube channel, which we're really excited about. So I'm sharing lots of longer content on there. And that is just at Turner Farm on YouTube. Beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Thank all you. Right. <laughs> you did it. You just finished another episode of the Trailblazer podcast. We love bringing you real life stories and know-how from rural women head over to our website, www.trailblazerco.com for today's show notes with all the links and special offers from today's sponsors. Want to help us grow? Tag us and screenshot this episode or share your takeaways in the comments over on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. So this is Jan and Erin signing off. See, see you, you next time, Trailblazers. Trailblazers.